0: And one of the only openly autistic professionally certified public speakers in the country. And it's given me the wonderful opportunity to travel the globe and to discuss topics like I'm going to share with you today. So, um, when the slides are ready, we will get started. But I'm really excited to be here with all of you. All right. So, Today I'm going to share with you, in honor of autism acceptance month, I'm going to share with you 15 things to consider when it comes to autism. Now obviously, autism is a very, very wide spectrum. So you have probably heard by now from one of my dear friends, Dr. Stephen Shore, he says that if you met one autistic person, you met just that one autistic person. So we'll be talking a little bit all over the spectrum. And just remember, these 15 things, nothing is set in stone. There are so many different things that you could learn about during the month of April, but not only during the month of April, but all year round. Next slide. So first off, uh, for individuals who are joining us tonight, we're going to be providing the PowerPoint slide notes from tonight's presentation. There will be a QR code at the end of the hour. So feel free to scan the QR code with your smartphone. Or if uh, you are like some of my family members and don't have a smartphone, there will also be a link uh that you can type into your browser so you can receive the powerpoint slide notes from tonight's presentation next slide so during my journey i grew up with laser focused key interests i wanted to grow up to be the next uh larry bird uh i could growing up i could tell you all 30 NBA teams and every single player on one of those teams. I also I wanted to be, grow up to be the sixth member of the Bashir Boys. Uh, so I fell in love with music and theater and I got a degree in sport management. Uh, before deciding to change career paths, realizing that a lot of individuals with disabilities did not have a voice within our community and wanting to do something to help them. So I received my master's in strategic communications, also from Hall University, where I became one of the first professionally certified public speakers with autism in the country. It's given me the opportunity to travel the globe for the past 12 years and now speak at over 1,200 events. in not only K through 12 schools, but also businesses about hiring people with autism in the workplace, realizing that those with autism are one of the most untapped talent pools when it comes to employers and the importance of giving professional development opportunities for companies to understand just that. But uh, I started a nonprofit when I was about 24 years old, so 11 years ago, to help the autism community. Uh, and one of my mentees actually said, Carrie, you should start writing books. And I never thought about writing books before. I grew up with a uh, dual diagnosis of dysgraphia. But I realized that by sharing my story in books, that I might be able to help people understand a little bit about people with autism from a first-person perspective. So I wrote my first book called Defining Autism from the Heart, assuming it would be a nice Christmas gift for some of my family members. But within uh, three days, to became an Amazon bestseller for special need parenting. Gave us the opportunity to continue writing books, all the books on Amazon, uh, autism and falling in love a year later. Realizing that a lot of the time when we talk about adult autism, there are some resources around employment, housing, and post-secondary, but there's very little for dating and those in re- who want to be in relationships. So I wrote a book based on 10 years of trying to find love on the autism spectrum with practical tips on how those with autism can go about dating and putting the best version of themselves out there for a partner. My third book, I Will Light a is a children's book focused on twins on the autism spectrum. And then finally, our last book, Autistics on Autism, came out last year, uh, which focuses on 100 stories of those with autism navigating their journeys growing up into adulthood. Along the way, I took my love of theater to work with the entertainment industry. We've worked on films like Joyful Noise, Jane Wants a Boyfriend, uh, HBO's Mrs. Fletcher, and then also Netflix Love on the Spectrum, which I had the opportunity to be the autism consultant on. And next slide, please. Uh, I'm so thrilled to say that Love on the Spectrum uh received three Emmy Awards last year when it, it when the first US season aired on May eighteenth. And now uh it's been renewed for season two. So stay tuned for more information on what that's gonna look like. Next slide. Uh, Along the way, we've also had the opportunity to contribute uh, to several other books that I would love for all of you to check out, especially during the month of April if you're looking to read something new about the autism community. We wrote a book called Life After Lockdown where I was so glad to see Dr. Temple Grandin in the last hour because she actually contributed to this book along with uh, incredible advocates like Tony Atwood and uh, so many more uh, about what life would look at like after lockdown for those on the autism spectrum. Also get an opportunity to write a uh, contribution to the Allison Child Grows Up from uh, bestselling author Carol Kronowitz, who really focuses on sensory processing disorders in addition to Love What Matters, which is a book of stories of people uh, who have just been impacted by a wide range of not only disabilities, but have very impactful stories in our communities. Next slide. Uh, Along the way, uh, with my nonprofit, not only doing peer mentoring and providing peer mentoring services for those 16 to 24, we've also provided 130 scholarships for autistic students who are pursuing a post-secondary education. When I was in school, Common Core was really, really tough for me. And standardized testing, too, was a really, really big challenge. So I realized, though, that that was a big challenge for many of the autistic adults that I was meeting. So I started a scholarship program in the hopes of helping individuals uh, find scholarship aid so they could potentially pursue a post-secondary education. It gave us the opportunity to not only do that, but in addition to the people who have continued to support my nonprofit organization to provide 25 small business grants for small businesses that hire people with disabilities. And one of the fun things about our latest book, Autistics on Autism, is that not only will you get the opportunity to learn about autism from 100 autistic adults, 100 percent of the proceeds go back to our nonprofit to support the cause. Next slide. Uh, Along the way, though, we also realized the importance of speaking to first responders. Uh, We realized that interacting with people with autism was still a challenge for many of our police officers and also our immediate emergency response teams. And one of the big topics that we talk a lot about in the community is wandering and still almost about half of children who are on the autism spectrum wander from a safe environment and go missing as a result. So, we need to do a better job of highlighting the fact that we need to provide more first responder trainings in our community, and that's an opportunity that I've had the opportunity to do with groups like the Jacksonville Police Department in addition to the NYPD, and I hope it's something that more first responders will reach out to me about doing because it's uh, it's very near and dear to my heart as somebody who used to wander growing up on the autism spectrum. Next slide. Um, My roles today, I wear many hats in the autism community. Uh, I am proud to say I'm on the Council of Autistic Advisors for one of the largest grassroots nonprofit organizations in the world called the Autism Society of America. Uh, They have 60 affiliate chapters in the United States. So if any of you are trying to build on your village, I would definitely recommend going to their website for more information. We just talked about wandering and I'm so happy to say I'm Uh, on the board of directors for the National Autism Association who do a great initiative called the Big Red Safety Toolkit, which uh, helps provide resources for families of those who have children who are wandering today. In addition to that, I also uh, have many other different hats. But one of the coolest uh, opportunities I've had the opportunity to do is work on the social media campaign for the first season of The Good Doctor on ABC, focused on Dr. Sean Murphy, a surgeon who's on the autism spectrum, and then also the social media campaign for the first season of Atypical, focused on Sam Gardner, a surgeon who is on the autism, not surgeon, a 18-year-old. God, I need more coffee. An 18-year-old man who is on the autism spectrum, pursuing college and love on the autism spectrum. Next slide. And as we're going to the next slide, slide, one one of the things I will say is that uh, for those who are joining us tonight, in addition to uh, some of the videos that we're going to share tonight, we have a video series called The Special Community. So as we continue to the next slide, oh, there we go. Uh, Well, where you don't go, but uh, one of the things we we often uh, talk about is the fact that it really takes a village and the importance of first-person perspectives cannot be overstated. Uh, So I started a video series to highlight individuals impacted by disabilities, which I'm going to share as our 15 things. Uh, We're going to give a video example for each one of these, and then we're also going to have some time for Q&A at the end as well. Uh, I hope throughout the month of April, but also all year round, uh, when you guys look at this little meme right here, it's something I really hope you take to heart because it's not only enough to be aware that if you met one, you met one. You also have to realize that there are going to be some people that you meet in your life who you're not going to know have any challenges. So when you meet people for the first time, we have spoken. Uh, four times today going into this. And every single place we've spoken to, we spoke at a K through two school, and then we spoke at three through five, and then we spoke through to it six through eight, and then we did a parent talk for parents later this evening. And in each one of those presentations, we included this meme because it's truly important. Not all disabilities are visible. And for those who you might meet in your life, you never may know what specific challenges they have. So promote kindness as much as you can within our communities. Next slide. So uh, one, one of the fun things that we get the opportunity to do that I just mentioned is we get to bring a tripod and a camera every single place we go to speak. And when we get to ask self-advocates, what would you like the world to know about you? Not only the hopes of breaking down barriers for those with special needs, but also giving them a platform to nurture their own self-advocacy. Because we believe self-advocates need to learn at earlier ages about their autism diagnosis. So the video that I'm going to share with you is of a young woman named Rachel, and uh, she has a very unique story of growing up on the spectrum. one more time. Well, we're gonna switch to the first story uh, instead, and that's quite all right. And I will uh, summarize Rachel's story after you hear from these two amazing, incredible individuals in our first uh, thing that we would like you to consider for Autism Acceptance Month. And this is a young couple who are on the autism spectrum. I hope you enjoy.
1: You could be just like a great friend and then when we sat down we just couldn't stop talking and it's just like we clicked right away we started talking about the same interests what we like and then you know it's it almost feels like love at first sight
2: oh well maybe if you want to put it that way but things do take time actually that's you true know.
1: we sure had a lot of memorable moments don't we well
2: oh yes absolutely
1: lots of sweet ones <laughs> and very exciting.
0: Any particular favorites that you remember or something?
1: Well, from what I can remember from our special dates, I remember when we went on a Valentine's date to Olive Garden. Oh. And then afterwards, we came back to my place and watched Lady and in the, the
2: Parents and those who are are looking after kids on the spectrum, actually, to not give up on them, actually, because you never know what, what they might be able to show, actually. You just need to be willing because the key word, I think, is listen, actually, and just pay attention, actually, though, and stuff. And either Whether that's to their to their interests or try to get into their, um, as, as was pointed out in the lecture today, about trying to fit, come into their world, if you will, or something, actually, to find that way in, and then go in with them and stuff, actually. and then They might take you to places where, you know, you never thought
0: possible. So what are some hopes that you have for each other in, mm-hmm. in the future?
1: I know we've had had the conversation before a little bit of a while back, but I wouldn't really mind getting married someday and hoping, possibly someday, maybe start a family. And if not, there's plenty of options. There could be adoption. There could also be different kinds of, like, ways of, and if we can't, if we don't have the time of having children, there's always different animals and like pet wise cat. Oh
3: yes, yeah, because I know
0: you have a bunch
1: of cats at home and yes. stuff actually. I have four cats at home.
0: <laughs> hey everyone, so, this is Carrie from a special community. Uh, and, and you, could you skip like this that video, we could go to the check out our slide. channel for more videos of people. We could go to the next slide, sir. But You can also subscribe and hit the.
1: When I first met Will, I figure he could be just like a great friend. Right. And, and then
0: you guys when we the sat update. down,
1: we just couldn't stop talking. We're gonna go to the and next slide like, in just
0: a second. They clicked right away. Yeah. But the most important the the, the, the most important thing uh, that I wanted to share from this point is that autistic people don't necessarily lack empathy. And that's one of the hardest challenges that I see a lot of individuals in our community facing because of the fact that some individuals have sensory challenges and don't want to be touched or hugged. Like I was when I was growing up on the autism spectrum, some people thought that we lacked empathy. And that couldn't be the furthest thing from the truth. Some of the people I know who are on the autism spectrum are the most empathetic people in our lives. But as we learn more about the autism community, we realize that not everybody is like Rayman or the good doctor and that a lot of people are not introverts actually, but there are some extroverts out there in our community. And one individual we got to highlight as part of a video series named Joel has a very unique perspective of this idea that some autistic people in our community are extroverts. So I hope you enjoy Joel's video.
2: I think my greatest accomplishment is, is tied in with my greatest challenge. My greatest challenge is that in case you have noticed it, I'm an autistic extrovert, and that's a weird combo. So, uh, <laughs> so I, I was going through life trying to make friends, trying to be the, the natural leader that I was in elementary school, but then in middle school all the social rules made that impossible. And so I was, I was alone, I was cut off and I didn't get why. And then growing up, gradually learning social skills, learning this, that, that and the other, and, and understanding that other people felt the way I did and that my my actions impacted other people the same way theirs impacted mine. I mean, I was socially blind. And then I learned. I paid attention. I studied people. I, I thought about it. I tried to put myself in their shoes. and. Eventually, I learned. I was diagnosed when I was seven. My parents always knew I was uh, off. Um, And then they told me when I was in middle school, now I had the the traditional, no, that's impossible, Luke Skywalker reaction. Um, And then I kind of said, you know what? I've been me my entire life. It doesn't matter if, if, if I have this label or if I don't. And then senior year of high school rolled around. I was in a psychology class, did a book report, yada, yada. And reading a book on Asperger's, it was like looking in a mirror. I was able to see all the personality traits that I noticed were different. All the things that made me stand out, that made me uh, odd, that made me less likely to be accepted, could be explained by a diagnosis of autism. And, and all of a sudden, I, I fit. I wasn't broken, I wasn't a reject, I wasn't a monster. I was a teenager with autism. And when I figured it out, it was a relief. Because again, I wasn't broken, I was just different. So I I decided to take it to my psychology class because it changed my view of myself so much that I couldn't not share it. I I had to bring it to the rest of the world because it would change how they understood me and then I could do, I could live my best life without them critiquing and and misunderstanding and condemning for for mistakes I didn't realize I was making. And so I took that to college with me. I gave a talk to my freshman, hall. I got in touch with John Elder Robeson. Hi, John. Um, uh, co-founded the Neurodiversity Student Group at William & Mary, and uh, been continuing it through today. It, it, it was freedom. Right now, I, I do cosplay, and I do speaking engagements. I mean, I am out there. I am an open book. But that's because I've learned how to be me, authentically, emphatically, profoundly me, And still keep those little things that nobody else wants to know about tucked away. You know, everybody's got less than ideal facets of of who they are or of what they do, bad habits, uh, whatever. But it was understanding the parts of me that I could be proud of, that I should be proud of, and that I chose to be proud of so that other people could see them, so that other people could, could really see me the way I wanted to be seen. And I think that right there is the core of why I do advocacy. I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm, I'm here to, to change lives and do as much good as possible. But for me, the reason it feeds me emotionally is because elementary school, middle school, high school, I couldn't be seen the way I wanted to be. People saw my reputation and the fact that I was really overweight in middle school. Um, they saw these things that I had been, not what I wanted to be, not who I really was. And, yeah. Um, you're going to be changing
0: some lives with these videos, bro. Yeah, Seriously. I hope so.
2: I, I think you're going to you're going
0: to impact a lot of lives when people actually watch this. I look forward to it. Cool. So I, I love Joel's story for many reasons, uh, but one of the things that we need to highlight more in the community is that there are going to be people out there who are more outgoing, who want to pursue different things, who want to pursue pursue large social groups, and that's okay. That is what the spectrum is all about. When we talk about the infinity symbol, we're talking about that true spectrum. Next slide.
2: I think my greatest accomplishment is is tied in with my...
0: So uh, th- this video is really I- I impactful to me because uh, this was actually one of the first I- interviews we've actually done. We're going to go back to it in a second. Uh, you guys have to love technology. You yeah, gonna sound like a broken record tonight. Uh, but we, we, we love uh, this story in particular because of uh, self-advocacy. Uh, and one of the most amazing things about Liam's story is that Liam was just 10 years old when he, he did this interview. And this was the first time outside of his immediate family he was able to tell anyone about his autism diagnosis. One of the things I hope I can leave you with today is that I believe that we should start having our conversations about uh, our children's autism diagnosis with them as early as five years old. Now, sometimes I get pushback from families when I say that because they think that's too young and they don't want their child to be defined by a label. But that's when we give them positive peer role models. We give them the Dr. Temple grants of the world to show them what life might have in store for them so that it's not the end of the world when they get that diagnosis. It's a time of self-awareness and learning. So uh, Liam's story is truly amazing and I hope you enjoy. So we're going to be talking to the camera, and we want to make you famous. So we literally want to make you probably the most famous person on the planet. How's that sound?
3: Okay, okay. Um, (laughs) No pressure. Autism basically makes it hard to connect. It makes it hard to get that connection, to make friends. They feel like more loners than, well, in groups. Yeah, it's also a learning disability, and in some cases, it's hard, it's, you have to, you can't speak, as in some cases. I met a kid called Tom, who he, he has autism, but he can't speak in proper English. He needs an
0: iPad. So Liam, one thing I want you to know is that... I was actually diagnosed with autism at an early age, too. And I don't know if I've ever actually told you that, but I want you to know that I will always be here to be your friend, if you need a friend, okay?
3: Yeah. Because
0: even though it, it, it may be hard at times to connect to other people, you know, I feel like so many people with autism like us just want, like, what anyone else wants, you know, to, to feel to connected and to have a friend, so. Blow staff friend in me, okay? You want to pound this up? Yeah. Did you blow it up too? Oh, he blows it up. <laughs> <laughs> awesome, Liam. I'm kind of, kind of tearing up, so it's okay. It's
3: kind of a must.
0: So I love Liam's story. Liam's story re- received thousands of views when we posted it originally on our Facebook page, Carries Autism Journey. And hi to JoAnnie, who says, I love Joel's story too. Awesome, JoAnnie. Thanks so much for joining us. Uh, Liam is a true, pure example of why we need to have these conversations. And, and also I get some pushback sometimes from parents who say, well, my child, my child won't understand the diagnosis. And if a child is not developmentally able to really have that conversation, the most important thing is to not ever hide the diagnosis. And we have the Asner family out here tonight. So excited to have you guys here too. Next slide, please. Uh, So another key area, which, so I was just talking to, third through fifth graders today about this, because one of them uh, was curious about this whole concept called stimming. So for people at home who might be new to the autism world, who might just be joining to learn more, stimming is also known as self-stimulatory behavior. And for me growing up, I would do spirit fingers all the time. I would move my hands back and forth as a place of helping me self-regulate when there was a lot of sensory stuff to process. I wore sunglasses in most of my classrooms because of bright lights. I would wear uh, earbuds in my ears because of loud noises. And I would use the ability to either use spirit fingers or rub my hands together as a way of coming back to a place I felt comfortable, which my OT actually encouraged. And if stimming is not uh, self injurious to that individual or others, we should let people stem freely. So, one individual we got to highlight was a young boy named Basi, who uh, is is um, kind of in in uh, he's he's not speaking. He speaks a few words. And when we interviewed him, he was stimming a little bit, but he still wanted to, us to share his video to get the awareness out there. So we're gonna share a little bit about what you might realize in, in the future as somebody who, who may be stimming or might have some uh, flapping as well, which uh, Yasi has. So, hope you enjoy his video. Switch to the camera and say hi. hi. It's a fun camera. Isn't it?
1: Hi.
0: You're amazing. Pavasi okay, yeah.
1: oh,
4: awesome. is nine
3: yeah.
4: and um, he is on the autism spectrum. Um, functionally non verbal, but we do get words from time to time. Sentences, actually, from time to time, but very frequently. One of my hopes is really that we find a way that he is comfortable communicating. Um, he, right now, he is using a lot of tap to talk. You know, on, on the iPad, uh, but I really oh, yeah, would like to it. see it develop a little bit more into not just asking for something but communicating something. Like, I had a good day, it, it's just that I, I need to reach him where he is, and you know, he's an awesome kid if you get to know him.
0: It definitely seems like it. Is there anything else that you like for people to know at home about your story but also your son's story? I
4: think, um. We need more awareness, and I think people just need to be a little bit more aware. When you see a child throwing a tantrum in a supermarket or screaming on an airplane, it's not that the child is acting out. It it may just be that the child needs, you know, the environment is different, they're they're having a hard time. There's a lot of judgment, and I really wish that people would just stop and just let go of the judgment and just try to understand. Because if you ask me, if I if we're in a supermarket and he has a moment, if it can be is, is he okay? And I can explain, oh, you know, he's just
0: this is what is happening today. That that's so much better than seeing you in the United States. Exactly. Yeah. So uh, Yasi's story is interesting because w- one of the things I like to share when, when I when I share Yasi's video with an audience is that we all stem. You may not know this. But the the thing that's going on in our society is the fact that many of us rock back and forth, and that's considered a STEM. And in our society, it kind of normalizes autism in a lot of sense. I would never say that we're all on the autism spectrum, but in fact, we all do STEM, even if it's very, very minor. Next slide. Maria writes, Where is cooking with Connor's part? Maria, I am not sure about that, but I'm so glad you're here with us now for this video. Uh, so, uh, number five is that uh, autistic people just want to be given a chance to succeed. Now, one of the things that I wish more people would talk about in the autism community is that, don't get me wrong, early intervention is the key. But unfortunately today, some statistics indicate that up to 75% of autistic individuals are either unemployed or underemployed in the United States. And I talked to companies. We, this month, will be speaking with JP Morgan in addition to Prudential and SMP. And one of our key messages that we're going to share with them is the fact that those with autism are more likely to stay at a job longer they're more likely to take less time off from work. And when it comes to reasonable accommodations, the majority of reasonable accommodations cost absolutely nothing. And when they do, it's typically just an onboarding fee of $500. When we talk about autistic employment, it's important to realize that it's not about what a company can do for an autistic person, it's what an autistic person can do for that company. We need to change the narrative. So this is a video of a young woman who is currently employed today and thriving who's on the autism spectrum. I hope you enjoy your video.
3: Sometimes I work so very hard at the Aspire, just making, just sewing, just making all that wonderful clothes and
0: jewels. And you wish people would take understand that people with autism can find work and can work hard, like you? That's right. Do you remember when you were diagnosed with autism?
3: Um, I don't remember.
0: Yeah, I was diagnosed with autism at four. It was very long time ago. I'm very, very old now. Oh, uh, <laughs> yeah. It's okay. What's the thing you enjoyed most about working with Valerie?
3: Her positive attitude. She always comes in with a smile on her face yeah. and ready to work.
0: Valerie, would you consider yourself a positive person?
3: Of course, I would.
0: <laughs> Heard that uh, through the grapevine that you like Disney.
3: Oh yes, I I love Disney Plus. It is Pollyanna.
0: Oh, Disney Plus. So I just finished the Mandalorian recently, and I am um, obsessed with Disney Plus. What is your favorite Disney Plus show?
3: Oh, let me see. Um, The Little Mermaid. We, we work here at the office together, but we, you help me a lot with what? Oh, uh, MAI and... This show, what are those? And... The trunk, tr- trunk shows? The trunk show. Uh-huh, and so what do we do there? An MAI and Trailblazer. Uh-huh, those are our recent trunk shows we've done. But we sell, you use the square, the point of sale, and you check out the customers. That's right. Uh-huh. Do a great job with customer service and making sure um, you check them out for the right amount. Oh, yes, that's right Uh
0: Valerie, what's something you hope you might get to do in the future if it's a job
3: a job a Job is so very very good Would you like to continue working at Aspire in the future? Or do you want to work somewhere else in the future? Have you learned some job skills from Aspire? Oh, I love Aspire. I will work here in the future. Okay. (laughs) Nice. That makes me happy. Mm.
0: (laughs) Valerie, is there anything else you would like for people out there to know about your story?
3: Oh, it was really nice.
0: It was your, your story actually does seem very very nice, uh, and I'm really really glad to see everything that you're doing. And your parents must be super proud. I know everyone here at Aspire is super proud of you as well. And uh, anything else? Anything else I'm missing? That? Oh. You like people enough?
3: Oh well, almost. Almost. Yep, yeah. I were I were I was helping with Yaya and um Denise, and. Oh, Camille and Jan and Tracy, she's so sweet. Oh,
0: you seem very sweet too, Valerie. Thanks so much for being on my show.
3: My pleasure.
0: Cool, all right. Nicely done, Val. Hey everyone, Gary Magro here from a special community. I can't Uh, thank you. You can just go to the next video. If you like this video, Um, please click on some more videos around our- You can go to the next slide. Thank you so much. Uh, So I I love Val's story because one of the things I, uh, I love the most is the whole aspect of positivity. Uh, Fal and I, I, a lot of people I know on this spectrum, not only are they ready to go to work when they get into the job place, but they're also willing to bring such a positive light to a community. And honestly, that really helps promote workplace synergy quite a bit. So when we think about the bottom line, we really need to consider those with autism as one of the most untapped talent pools to consider. Not only the fact that in the neurodiverse and disability community, one in four Americans today currently have some form of disability. So number six, we need to realize again that autism has no look. And I was receiving an award at the Autism Society of America Conference. Uh, I received the Daniel Jordan Phil Foundation award for adult autism in 2019. And we got to interview a ton of different autism self-advocates. In fact, I'm hosting an adult autism summit uh, sponsored by the Daniel Jordan Phil Foundation that will be happening on April 18th. At the end, if you fill out the resource form and say that you want more information on that, I'll send you a link so you might be able to participate in that. But one of the individuals that we got to highlight uh, during this Autism Society of America conference had a really important note about why it's important that we have the conversation about autism having no look. So I hope you enjoy this video. What is something you should not say to someone with autism based on your experiences in the autism community? You have autism? Yeah. <laughs> i nice that. Craig, there are going to be thousands of people who watch your story here today. What would you like them to know about you? Yeah.
5: That I'm ambitious. I'm, I currently work with people with disabilities, and I'm working on, on becoming a supervisor in the near future. I do two different things. I work for an agency where I work uh, with people on uh, skills and uh, community, and then I also work on helping people get prepared for a job pre-vocational training.
0: If someone out there would like to be your friend in the future, how would, they, how would it best be to go about trying to be your friend?
5: Just come up to me. I'm a very friendly person. You don't have to be scared of me. I don't, don't bite, usually. <laughs> <laughs> what is something you wish
0: people knew about autism?
5: that when they meet someone who is autistic, they need to look at who that person is, and then not based on their diagnosis, but based on who they are, interact with them based on that.
0: What is one misconception you currently see out there in the (coughs) autism community that you'd like to see debunked?
5: That you only have a certain potential, that everyone can show a lot more potential. One guy I've worked with, I showed him that he can cook. He can learn to do more for himself and all that. And it may be small things, but you always have to look for those things that you
0: can do to uh, improve what your life is. Have you ever heard somebody say that someone with autism is incapable or was incapable of doing great things? Have you ever heard that in your life?
5: I I see that in in a number of things with some of the people I I have, and I just try to say we're not going to look at comparing you to what other people can do. We're going to try to see what you can do and try to get that to the next level.
0: Awesome. Um, And your goal is to be a supervisor. What what made you want to become a supervisor? Because I see the work that I do
5: and that I know I'm very good with a lot of people with autism and other disabilities, and I know if I can work over other people and I can show them here, do this, this is how you work on that there, then they can do better, and uh, I can work on more people giving
0: more help. Awesome. Is there anything else you would like from people at home to know about your story?) Uh, can I poke my YouTube channel? Yes, of course you can.
5: <laughs> All right, got it. All right. I have a YouTube channel, uh, Team Autism Peter, where I and hopefully other people can share or uh, teach you of like, how to help people with autism in different situations so that they can improve their lives. Glad we became friends.
0: <laughs> hey, everyone. This is Carrie from a special uh... community. If you like this video, so check out our channel. I love his story for so it. many reasons, you can also uh, like 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 most of the stories here today. Uh, one of the things that I enjoyed most about his story is the fact of his goals in the future and himself wanting to look at other means of finding meaningful employment outside of the work that he's currently doing. I think it's important that we not only find employment opportunities for those in our community, but we also look at those meaningful employments and how we can go about getting them to the next level, like he mentioned. But also, I love what he said at the beginning when he said, you have autism, because that is something that I can't tell you how many people I hear from in the autism community face today. Uh, So number seven, some individuals will be prone to masking. And what I mean by masking is, we actually just had the new CDC numbers come out, which is also known as the Center of Disease Control, that indicated that one in 36 individuals have autism. Now in that, a lot of individuals who are girls typically mask different things. They might mask their stimming, they might mask being able to have good eye contact and it might lead to burnout in a lot of situations. But it also happens in quite a few boys and we got to meet a young autistic advocate. And this is a little bit of his story that his mom shared as as well about some of the challenges that might be associated with masking. Oh my God! You know a cool, cool
4: trick? Trick. Yeah. a cool trick. What's the cool
0: trick? So I do, this, I mean I do this, and then I do this. It's a dog. It's a dog. What is something you would like for people to know about autism?
3: I'd like them to know that if somebody has autism, that you should really help dumb a little and give them probably a second chance if they maybe do a little mistake can be a little nicer to them.
1: He took a while to talk as well. Um, He was diagnosed at 3 officially but he'd been in early intervention since he was six months so you know we've we've always been impressed with his empathy. I would say I've always felt like he's he's always um, been a feeler and a smiler for being such a STEM kid.
0: If you could describe yourself in one word, how do you think you would describe yourself?
3: I would probably describe myself as special.
0: So, you like Bill and I, the science guy? Is science your favorite class in school? Mm-hmm. Yes. Awesome. Would that be something you may want to do one day? Yeah.
1: Science or technology, right? We talk about Silicon Valley from time to time.
0: What's your favorite thing about your mom? If you can only pick one thing. She seems pretty awesome, though.
3: Well, I most look about my mom is that she's the nicest mom I've ever known.
1: That's great. How
3: many other
0: moms do you know?
1: <laughs> You meet lots of small people, so I'll take that. But I have noticed, um, you know, for him and other families that I uh, talk to, um, the idea of, of having to mask, you know, masking is, mm-hmm. is a challenge. So I think probably um, whether it's subconscious or not, there's, there's masking that can happen during the school day. Um, so I would say that the hardest challenge for him has been his transition from having to mask his autism to do the things he has to do during the day that's required of him that he knows he can do, and then he comes home and he starts experiencing burnout. Um, and I know that that probably is just going to increase, um, and that's that's definitely something that has been probably the biggest challenge yeah
0: because you just want to be the rock star that you are right and not have to mask anything right yeah Yeah. awesome is there anything else you would like for people out there to know about your amazing incredible story
3: I want them to know that I do have autism and that I want to make the world a better place
0: Awesome. I think you're doing a good job by introducing yourself to the world to hear a little bit more about your story because you're probably going to break down some barriers for some people watching this and getting to learn a little bit more about our autism community. So can I get a low five? Can I get a high five? Can I get a dog? I saw the dog. I mean, you gotta know the dog again. Here. Can, can I see the dog?
3: Baby dogs. <laughs>
0: like baby sharks, but like baby dogs. <laughs> you're a rock star. Man. I'm so glad I got to meet you. First on-camera interview, too. First on-camera interview, everyone. So, um, his story is great. And I I think one of the challenges though, which I see for some individuals is that the whole masking concept, I mean, it doesn't necessarily lead to burnout all the time, but for some individuals, it can have very long-lasting challenges. So, if we do see somebody who, for example, is masking their stimming, uh, for example, Heath does something where he does the baby dogs that he was mentioning in the video, and that's a way of hiding some of the, the stimming that he does because he doesn't want to be bullied for those situations happening. So, we always have to be mindful of that. Next slide, please. So uh, this is a two-part series. I've had the wonderful opportunity to know Shannon for numerous years, and uh, we will have the opportunity to be on tomorrow uh, from 7 p.m. Pacific time, 10 Eastern, uh, for part two on 15 things uh, to consider when it comes to autism for Autism Acceptance Month. So definitely tune in if you have the opportunity. Next slide. Next slide, please. So finally, I just wanted to share 10 final things uh, from my perspective of somebody who grew up from non-speaking to professional speaker. For those who might just be meeting me for the first time before we move to Q&A, Spencer loves Bill Nye. I do too, Spencer, uh, like you. Uh, so, the first thing is uh, we need to make sure that we realize that autistic children will become autistic adults. And we need to be ready for them. Transitioni- transitional uh, IEPs are really important. Uh, I went to my disability support specialist the first day of college and I asked, you know, if you hook me up with that IEP, I'll be ready to go. And I didn't really know that in college I was not going to get an IEP. So we need to help individuals. In some states, it's 14. Other states, it's 16. We need to look at things during that time, such as money management. We need to look at vocational training. And we need to make sure that they are ready for what life will look like after high school. The other thing is role playing. I think more as we learn more about autism, we're understanding that some individuals really thrive when it comes to structure. And when it comes to social skills, one way of helping these individuals is by doing role-playing scenarios, whether it's dating scenarios, mock interviews for potential job opportunities. The lesson goes on and on, but it can be very beneficial. Uh, in addition to that, we also need to look at things like servant leadership, the importance of just giving back to the community because there are some individuals, it's not only the right thing to do, but there's some individuals in our community who have mind blindness and sometimes don't have The understanding of the perspectives of others and by doing community service we open their eyes to those experiences that some individuals have Uh, self-advocacy and peer mentoring kind of go hand in hand because i think that we should have peer mentors in all of our schools starting as early as six-year-olds reading a book to a five-year-old to start that period of not only helping build friendships and build social skills but also helping Start leadership opportunities for young individuals very early on to mold the future leaders of our communities. Next slide, please. Uh, I, I always say, don't recreate the wheel. Uh, I received over fifteen years of occupational physical speech therapy, and then I got music and theater therapy, kind of tied in uh, later in my in my journey. Uh, with some of my sensory challenges that I had. So, one of the therapies that I love to recommend those cognitive behavioral therapy because it helps bring negative thoughts into positive thoughts, and I've seen it help a lot of self-advocates in our community. Uh, also, again, though, at the end of the day, do your research. I always take it with a grain and salt because of the, the fact is it is a very wide spectrum. Uh, in addition to that, we need to also look at all the other things listed on here, but I, one of the, one of them I'll highlight just because we're going to jump into Q&A for a few minutes, is the importance of you sharing your story. Because there are some individuals in our community who cannot, and I often say that those with disabilities not only make up the largest minority, but I think they're one of them often most underheard because of the fact that some individuals can't speak up, especially when it comes to their rights. So, we need all of our voices together if we want to make effective change within our disability community. Next slide. So, uh, I have these two quotes that I share quite often, but regardless of where you are in your journey right now, whether you're a parent, self-advocate joining us, an educator, or a therapist, or simply another individual in our autism community or simply somebody who wants to learn more, I hope you can go out there and you can find your lives and your journeys in the way that you see it every single day. And if you need any help getting started, next slide. These are the ways that you can stay in contact with me after today's presentation. I thank you all so much for joining us this evening. These, uh, for housekeeping, these are the ways that you could stay in contact with me on the right. And on the left, you can scan that QR code, and I will make sure you get all the free autism resources in addition to the PowerPoint slide notes from tonight's presentation. You've been a fabulous audience, and I would love to answer any questions that you guys have at this time. Thanks again for having me, Shannon, and Autism Live. So feel free to write your questions in the comment box, and uh, we'll try to get to as many as we can. Thanks so much. Spectrum Laboratory Reds, great job, Carrie. I consider testimonials the greatest compliment in that little QR code. uh, There will be a little box if you would like to leave us any comments uh, that you thought of tonight's presentation. We always appreciate the feedback. Any thoughts, questions, feel free to write them in the comment box. If you're on YouTube, Facebook, it would be the same concept. And as I was telling kids all day, we spoke at, we spoke with about 900 kids today, 300 in each different uh, age range from the K to the two, the three, the five, and the six, to eight, there is no such thing as a dumb question. Trust me, I've heard it all. (laughs) All right. All right. It's been a long day. All of you probably who are joining us need more coffee in your lives like I do. Uh, So, I really, really appreciate the time. Uh, In addition to that, feel free, again, to grab that uh, QR code, which I I guess we could leave uh, up for a few more minutes while we are uh, transitioning to our next speaker in just a few minutes. And I appreciate everyone, and I hope you have a wonderful evening. Take care. Oh, and yes, tomorrow, hopefully see you tomorrow, 10 Eastern uh, 7, uh, Pacific Standard Time for part two of our 15 things to consider when it comes to autism. Thanks so much, y'all.